couple of announcements to share with you this morning before we begin our service. First of all, Awana begins this Wednesday at 6.30. Back to school Awana night. Parents must stay with the children. Um, if you are a volunteer, we ask that you do come out for the first Awana night, just so the kids are able to meet you. It will not go until 8 o'clock. We expect it to be done between 7.15 and 7.30 p.m. Um, in the bulletin, it, it lit, says that youth group and prayer meeting meet tonight. Um, that is a mistake. They are not meeting tonight due to the holiday. They will resume next week. Both of them will start back up next week. Um, youth group at 5 o'clock, prayer meeting at 530. Uh, last week, Jody Peters received $287 in the white church. Thank you for uh, your contributions. Uh, we also have an announcement to make. John Lebo sent me a text. Uh, Pastor Bob and I had text last night and then a little more this morning. Um, they had a baby boy that was born last night at 10.09 p.m., uh, nine pounds even, 21 inches long. Um, his name is Walter Reed Lebo, Walter Reed Lebo. So, um, that we, I asked him if you'd like that to be shared at church this morning, and he said yes. So um, let's open our service with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're thankful that we can gather together in this place this morning to lift up your name. Lord, we're here for you and for you alone, to hear your truth and to give you glory. Lord, we ask that you would move in this place this morning. Father, that you may draw us all closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Leonard's going to come lead us in hymn number one, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.
Before I look at the uh, prayer list and mention a few things, I, I was reminded when uh, Pastor Tony was uh, speaking of uh, John and Amanda and their baby uh, yesterday, you know, you're texting them back and forth and asking him how things are going and, uh, you know, things, I guess, early on went kind of slow. But yesterday it was about noon, I guess, maybe one o'clock-ish, and I said, how are things going, John? And he said this, he said, well, she went for an epidural and I'm going for a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh, and I, Sue and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Oh my, only John Lebo. Oh, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind sharing that. Um, so, um, a few things. Um, there is going to be mulching this Saturday at 8 in the morning. Um, so if you could help uh, mulch, do some mulching, uh, please let Greg Dobbin know so that he can have all the equipment and everything we need here to be able to uh, pull that off. Um, 8 o'clock Saturday morning, uh, but please uh, make a contact with Greg Dobbin. As you're very well aware, um, down in Texas and Houston and the surrounding areas, uh, there's been great devastation due to uh, Tropical Storm Harvey. I know some of you have asked me, uh, what can we do as a church? Um, we're in discussion trying to figure out uh, where is the best place for our monies to go. Um, you know, you don't want to just give it to any place. Uh, you want to make sure that your money goes to the right place. So um, by next Sunday, I think we'll have some information uh, that we'll be able to give to you, um, to maybe give through the church, to give to uh, an organization such as Samaritan's Purse. That was uh, a suggestion that was made. So um, uh, right now, I'm not sure where that money is to go, but um, we want to do something. And uh, I think by next Sunday, we'll be able to give you uh, some of that information. So if you want to give something and you want to wait for us to suggest a place to give, uh, hang on to your uh, monies until next week. And maybe we'll even have a white church and you can give there and then we give uh, then to them. So we'll see how all of that goes. But we do want to pray for them down, down uh, or out uh, in Texas. Uh, what a horrible uh, situation uh, that so many are going through right now. So, Father, we come before your throne, and we thank you again that we have this wonderful place to go in times of need. Uh, Father, you welcome us with open arms. You want for us to come into your very presence. And so, Father, we come in times of need, in times of distress, in times of hardship. Uh, Father, we do pray for those uh, in Texas. We pray for those, Lord, who have been just devastated, homes destroyed, um, people, Lord, who uh, aren't sure where to go right now. Uh, we pray, Lord, that, that you might watch over this situation. Uh, we do pray, Father, for those who have lost their lives. We pray for the family members. Lord, we pray that your grace might be sufficient. And we pray that, Lord, you would direct us uh, to do our part. Uh, it is a long way from here, but Father, we have a responsibility to do something. And so I pray for your wisdom to guide us to do our part in being to, in able to uh, bring some relief uh, to these who are going through this, this horrible situation. Father, we thank you also for the good news of uh, this little baby boy that was born last night. Father, we 
thank you that uh, things are going well. Uh, we thank, for, thank you for John and Amanda now that, Father, they are able to find great joy in this little boy um, that you have, Lord, brought into this world in your timing. Uh, we pray for them as parents, as we pray for parents here in this church, that you might grant wisdom, uh, grant understanding, and uh, how to raise children. Lord, it's not an easy thing today to bring up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There are so many pressures out there, uh, so many uh, things that want to destroy and uh, damage their lives. But we pray for this little boy, Walter Reed, that, Father, you might uh, put a hedge around him as he's being trained and loved and disciplined and we pray that he would grow into becoming a wonderful little boy and a great young man. Again, we thank you, Father, for our time here this morning. Thank you, Father, for bringing us together once again. Uh, this is the holiday weekend. This is when we typically think summer now is over and we kind of enter into a new season. Uh, and we do. While the weather's even changing, we, we feel that around us. And we thank you, Lord, that you're a God who controls these things. Uh, you control the seasons. Uh, you control all of these things. And we thank you that you're a God who reigns and rules and uh, orchestrates all things that come to pass. I, I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here today. We are here because, Lord, you want us to be here. Uh, you want to teach us. You want us to hear from your word and sing praises to your name. So I pray, Lord, that what we do this morning might bring great honor and glory to yourself. Father, remove the distractions. We know, Lord, we often come with baggage. We come with so many things that are filling our minds. But, Father, give us rest. Help us to find a calm in your very presence. For, Father, you said that when two or three are gathered together, you would be right there among them. Father, we know that you're here. And I pray, Lord, that you might forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, so that your spirit might have free course and might be able to move into our hearts and our minds to change us. Father, we have come to hear from you. Speak, for your servant listens. We thank you for the great salvation which is ours in Christ Jesus alone. Father, we thank you that we are your children and we can call you our Heavenly Father. So do a great work now right here, right here among us and in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us as we continue to sing to our Lord this morning. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? All the world can come to him to have their sins removed. 
Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Son of God and one of us, lover of our souls. start a new series on forgiveness 
uh, I think it's important that that we think through the words of this next song because so many people are hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of their sin. But Jesus is calling. And I think so many people have come to the end of themselves, but they thirst for a drink from the well because Jesus is calling. And forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Let's sing that together. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrow and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born, Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious, oh, come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because we have that forgiveness, we shout to the Lord so the whole earth can hear us. My Jesus.
I've been blessed with many things. God's been so good to me. I have family and friends who share in all I do. But if I lose it all and I am left with nothing, if I have the Lord, I know I'll make it through. He's the only reason I live, but oh, what a reason. He's the only reason I live, but oh, what a There's nothing in this world worth living for. It only leaves you empty and longing for more. He's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason. You may have tried many things to find real happiness but if you've looked very long then you'll know it can't be found until you find the Lord and the power of his He'll be your reason to live, and He'll never let you down. He's the only reason I live, but oh, what a reason. He's the only reason I but oh, what a reason. There's nothing in this world worth living for. It only leaves you empty and longing for more. He's the only reason I live. And oh, what a reason. He's the only reason I live, but oh, what a reason. He's the only reason I live, but oh, what a reason. There's nothing in this world worth living.
more. It only leaves you empty and longing for more. He's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason! He's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason. Thank you, Gene. One of the great stories in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. And I think we all know the story, uh, but let me remind you of it because I'll, you'll see how this uh, leads into this new uh, sermon series. Uh, this young man, he goes to his father one day and he wants the inheritance uh, well be before his father has passed away. But dad um, gives it to him. And this young man, he goes out into the world, he goes to another country, and there he takes all of that wealth and he squanders it on immoral living uh, till he finds himself at one of the lowest places, if not the lowest place in his life. Decides to go back home, not knowing how his father's going to react, but as he travels back home, his father comes and sees him down the road goes down the path to him, throws his arms around him, and loves him and forgives him. Someone has said this, that man is never more like God than when he forgives. That story is a story of forgiveness, a father's forgiveness for a son who had wronged him and sinned against him. Forgiveness is found throughout the Bible. It is a constant theme. It was John MacArthur who said this, there are no less than 75 different word pictures in the Bible about forgiveness. Word pictures found in the Bible about forgiveness. Let me mention some of those that he mentioned. To forgive is to turn the key, to open the cell, and let the prisoner walk free. To forgive is to write in large letters across a debt, nothing owed. To forgive is to pound the gavel in the courtroom and declare not guilty. To forgive is to shoot an arrow so high and so far that it can never be found again. To forgive is to loose the moorings of a ship and release it to the open sea. To forgive is to grant a full pardon to a condemned criminal. To forgive is to relax a stranglehold on a wrestling opponent. Remember Jacob? To forgive is to smash a clay pot into a thousand pieces so that can never be pieced together again. Pictures of forgiveness. And so we begin today this very important topic 
And forgiveness is so important that God has devoted an entire book about love and forgiveness. It's a little tiny book, and it's called Philemon. I would ask you to turn to Philemon with me this morning. And we're going to spend three weeks in this little book. And this morning we're going to look at the character of one who forgives. The character. What does that look like in the life of someone who forgives? What is that character? Follow with me as I read verses 1 through 7. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in our home. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. First of all, a little bit of introductory information regarding this little book. It's one of the personal books in the New Testament. Uh, The other one's 3 John, where John writes to a man by the name, name of Gaius. Here, Paul writes to a man whose name is Philemon. Paul says he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. We know that uh, he wrote this little letter while he was under house arrest in the city of Rome. And some, at some point, while he's there in Rome, he meets a slave whose name is Onesimus. Now, being under house arrest, he had limited mobility, and yet somehow he was able to make contact with this runaway slave. And that's what he was. He was a runaway slave. You see, he was a slave to this man by the name of Philemon. And he must have stole something from his master. We're not exactly sure, but we think that's what happened. He stole something from Philemon, and he runs away to Roman to start a new life. But he bumps into Paul. And Paul has an opportunity to share with him the gospel. Onesimus comes to a saving knowledge of Christ. His life is completely transformed, and he becomes a great help to the Apostle Paul. Being under house arrest, Paul would uh, be very glad for a help or an assistant, someone who could do things for him, run errands. However, Paul knows that that's not the right thing to do. Paul knows that it's only right to send Onesimus, now a Christian, back to Philemon, his master, who is also a Christian. And so he writes this letter, hands it to the slave Onesimus, and says, now you go back to your master so that he can read this letter. So who is this man Philemon? 
Will he forgive a runaway slave? How will he react when he sees this one who stole from him again? It says a couple other things here in the introduction. It mentions Aphia. Uh, she apparently was Philemon's wife. And Archippus, uh, many believe, was a son. And it says there at the end of verse 2, it says that the church uh, met in their home. They were very hospitable. Uh, Philemon and his wife Aphia and um, the son Archippus. This is a letter that's all about forgiveness. It's a letter that's all about reconciliation. How will this master, Philemon, how will he react now that he has been wronged, greatly wronged, by his slave Onesimus? If you followed along as we read this text, uh, there were a few things that were mentioned uh, that describe the character of Philemon. And that's really the title and what we want to look at this morning. What is the character of this man who will eventually forgive his runaway slave? Well, first of all, it says in verse 5, the one who forgives believes in Jesus. If you look there at the end of verse 5, it says your faith in the Lord Jesus. Many believe that he was converted under Paul's ministry and that he clearly demonstrated great God character. For it says here that they heard of your faith. It also says they heard of your love. I believe probably Onesimus, now that his life has been completely transformed and changed, he probably even shared with Paul some of the things that he knew about Philemon. He probably didn't like him as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an owner back then, but now he's beginning to see Philemon in a different light. He was a Christian and is a Christian. And these are the things, Paul, that, that I saw in Philemon. Philemon, or, or Paul heard of Philemon's faith. He heard of Philemon's great love. You know, the Bible says in the book of James that faith without deeds is dead. That faith without works is dead. You show me your faith. And James says, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. People looked at Philemon and they saw a man of godly character. A man who had put his faith and trust in Jesus himself. He was a man who had already experienced forgiveness. He was a man who trusted Christ and knew that the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed him from all of his sin. And so we here this morning, who also have put our faith in Jesus, we we have experienced the forgiveness of sins. None of us come to God with, with any merit of our own. We all come to God with, with guilt. We come to God with shame. We come before God with our sin. And we confess that sin. And the Bible says that God is faithful and he's just to forgive us that sin. Like the prodigal son, we have all said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you but not only have we sinned against God but we have sinned against each other some of us have wronged one another we have done things to each other that just are not right 
Philemon had such a situation. And here is Philemon, who will be asked by the Apostle Paul, you love this slave. You must forgive Onesimus. But it begins with a relationship with Jesus. We who know and have experienced God's forgiveness, that enables us now to be able to forgive others. We read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Just as God has forgiven us, so we now in turn are commanded to forgive one another. The one who forgives, first of all, has a relationship with Jesus. Philemon had that. But notice also what it says about Philemon. The one who forgives loves other Christians. The one who forgives loves other Christians. At the beginning of verse 5, we read of that. It says, because I hear about your love for all his holy people. Being united with Christ, being united with Christ by faith enables us to love. We watched in Sunday school a great video by Dr. Jeremiah, and he spoke about this very thing, that it's because we have been loved by God, we have been forgiven by God, that's what enables us to be able to love others and forgive others because of that relationship that we have. And by the way, this word love is not, uh, you know, just the general word for love, it's, it's agape love. Uh, there are several words for love found in the Bible, all translated love, but you kind of have to know the Greek to figure out which one they're using. Uh, there is a love for brotherly love, uh, but this is, the, this is the, the love that God had for us when Jesus died on the cross. It's an unconditional love, no strings attached love. Uh, you don't have to do something in order for me to love you. That's the love of Philemon. Philemon had this love, the love that we read in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God, he so loved the world. God loves the world. Philemon, it says, loves all the saints, all of God's holy people. You know, it's easy sometimes to love certain people. But there are some people in the world that are not so easy to love. And yet Philemon is one who is able to love all God's holy people. You know, love is not a feeling. Oh, it is that. You know, when you fell in love uh, with your wife or your husband, you probably had those little warm fuzzies. But that's not all there is with love. Paul is very clear when he speaks in 1 Corinthians 13 about love and he says, love is an action. Love is more an action than a feeling. For what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. You may not feel like you want to be kind, but that's what love is. Love is patient, Paul says. That's not always easy with someone who isn't easy to love. Love does Love keeps no record of wrongs. How often do you like to bring up things in the past? 
oh, but you did this. No, no, that's not love. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love is not rude. Love is not easily angered. All of these words, these are descriptions of love. This is who Philemon is. Philemon is a man with agape love. He loves people. That's why he and his wife, they they opened their home to the church. They didn't worship in buildings like we have today. They went to people's homes. And Philemon and his wife were hospitable, loving people, opening their home so that the people could come and meet. Onesimus is not going to be easy to love. When he goes back to Philemon, I can only imagine Philemon's first thoughts. Here he is. He stole from me. He wronged me. He ran away from me. He's not going to be an easy one to love. But you see what Paul is doing here in this introduction, because he hasn't even mentioned Onesimus' name yet. He's kind of buttering him up a little bit. Building him up. Someone called it holy flattery. Because what he's going to do later is say, Philemon, I know who you are. A man of faith, a man of love. Now put that into practice with your slave. There's another thing I see about Philemon. In verse 6, it says, he's the one who forgives, or the one who forgives fellowships with Christians. I pray, verse 6, that your partnership, so word koinonia means fellowship, that your, your fellowship with us in the faith may be effective. Uh, commentators say this is probably the most difficult verse in all of Philemon because uh, in some translations it, it seems to indicate something of evangelism, sharing your faith. But the word sharing here is, is, is the word to fellowship. To partnership with. Let me read what one commentator says regarding this verse. Paul was praying that Philemon's fellowship with other believers based on faith might be effective. In other words, union with Christ also means union with fellow Christians. Philemon was not an island unto himself, but he lived with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in this church at Colossae. And Paul wanted Philemon to know that forgiving Onesimus would enhance the fellowship of these Christians and maintain the peace and unity of the Colossian church. The church met in their house. And Paul is saying that that Onesimus' fellowship is going to add a great deal. He's going to have a wonderful testimony to share with the people of God. And he's going to ask that Onesimus be a part now of this fellowship of Christians meeting in your home. As I said, you know, he hasn't even mentioned the name Onesimus. He's going to mention it in verse 10. We'll look at that next week. He says that I appeal to you, my son Onesimus. But he hasn't mentioned his name yet. Right now, he's, he's just kind of preparing Philemon's heart for the big ask. For the big ass. It's like a son who goes to his dad, right? Some son comes to the dad. He's only 17 years old. He 
just got his driver's license and he wants to use the car on Friday night. But he's asked dad before and dad was always a little bit hesitant. As dads are when kids are 17 and want the car keys to go out on a Friday night. And so the son comes up to dad and says, you know, you are the greatest dad in the world. I mean, I could, I could not have ever picked a dad like you. I mean, you, dad, you are just the greatest. Can I have the keys? That's something of what Paul is doing here. He hasn't asked finally even yet to forgive Onesimus. He will. But right now, he's just sort of buttering him up. As I said, someone called this holy flattery. So another thing I see of the one who forgives, it says in the end of verse 6, that the one who forgives honors Christ. Look at the end of verse 6. It says, in deepening your understanding of every good thing, we share. Why? For the sake of Christ. Literally, it means unto Christ. Philemon was a man who, whose life was lived for the sake of Jesus. A godly man. A wonderful man. And everything he did was not my will, but yours be done. That's who Philemon was. He was a man who did things for the sake of Christ. And it is inc inconceivable to think that someone who really wants to honor and glorify Christ would not forgive another person. Here is one who did things for Christ's sake. Onesimus didn't deserve to be forgiven. As a matter of fact, Onesimus deserved punishment. He deserved being whipped. He even deserved death. But Philemon was one who did things for Christ's sake. Not what felt good, not what he even thought was right, but he did things to honor and glorify God. You know, there's a lot of things we do in life that it just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't come natural. Forgiveness doesn't come natural, does it? The natural thing is to get even. The natural thing is to, to pay back. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's supernatural, forgiveness is. To forgive someone who has wronged you. But he did things for Christ's sake. Not his own sake. You know, forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness really does a lot of damage, a lot of harm. It causes so much harm. Let me give you three things that happens when we refuse to forgive. Damage. First of all, it creates a barrier to reconciliation. When we decide that we're not going to forgive, and by the way, forgiveness is a choice. When I say, I will not forgive her, I will not forgive him. That's a choice we make. And when we choose not to forgive, there's a barrier to reconciliation. 
There's always a tension. There's always a strain that remains. Someone has said this, pardon withheld keeps the pain alive. When you decide you're not going to forgive, the pain continues. The hurt continues. To refuse to forgive creates that barrier to reconciliation, coming together in harmony once again. But also to refuse to forgive gives Satan an opportunity to work. It gives Satan an opportunity to work. We read in the book of Ephesians these words, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give an opportunity to the devil. To refuse to forgive gives Satan an open door into our lives to cause havoc. There's a third thing. If we refuse to forgive, it harms our relationship with God himself. When I refuse to forgive you, it harms my relationship with God himself. Jesus said, if you do not forgive others their sins... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And then finally, and I really like this one. I didn't quite understand this word refresh until I looked at it uh, a little bit deeper than I had before. The one who forgives refreshes Christians. The one who forgives refreshes Christians. Have you ever had a cold, cold iced tea on a hot, hot summer day? Paul was encouraged in verse 7. He was encouraged because he knew that Philemon was one who refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. He was encouraged. He found great joy in knowing what Philemon had been doing. This word refreshed is a military term. It's a military term that, that speaks of an army. An army that is now resting after a long, hard march. Think of an army marching in the hot sun for miles and miles and miles. And now they're sitting under a shade tree, resting. Apparently, the people in the church, many were struggling or suffering or hurting in one way or another, and they found in Philemon a refresher. They found in Philemon a shoulder to cry on. They found in Philemon, and I believe this word refresh has the idea of what we looked at last week, the gift of encouragement. Remember we spoke about the gift of encouragement? which can mean to exhort, uh, to comfort. And I said that it's, it was used of the Holy Spirit back in John 14 and 16. And it literally means to come alongside of another one. Where the person with the gift of encouragement comes alongside of someone who may be hurting or struggling. And say, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. That was Philemon. Philemon was one, I believe, who came alongside of others in the church. He would put his arm around them and say, you know, you're doing well. 
you're doing good. Keep going. Because Paul is soon going to call on Philemon to show that same kindness and pity and encouragement and love and forgiveness to a runaway slave. Someone said when a person is engaged in conflict, and we all are in relationships, right? I like too what Dr. Jeremiah said in the tape about life is about relationships. That's what life is about. It's about a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. Life is about relationships. But relationships often find themselves in conflict. And sometimes, this person said, it almost feels like war. However, when one encounters a forgiving Christian, now listen to this, when, so, when one encounters this forgiving Christian, it's like relaxing after a weary battle. It is refreshing, and one is enabled to relax in the presence of such person. I, I was thinking again of the story of the prodigal son. I tried to put myself in his shoes while I was still eating the pig's food, trying to decide whether or not he goes back to dad. After he's just taken to the inheritance and squandered it all, do I really go back to face dad? What will he say? How will he react? Will he ever love me again? Will he ever forgive me again? And I can imagine the anxiety and the fear of this son traveling back to see his father. But to feel the arms around his neck brought refreshment. He was able to relax in the arms of one who forgave. You know, this word refreshes the word that Jesus used when he said, come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I can only imagine Onesimus saying to himself, when Paul said to him, you must go back to your master. You must go back. I can only imagine, like the prodigal son, the fear, the anxiety that he must have been going through to take this letter back to the very one that he wronged. But Philemon was a refresher. And Paul is saying, Philemon, you are one to whom the weary come. You are the one to give rest. This is who Philemon was. This is the character of one who, in a later sermon, we're going to find forgives and loves this runaway slave. You know, the Bible says if you're a Christian this morning, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. That you are, you are united with Christ by faith. That's where forgiveness begins. You can't forgive as God has forgiven until you're a Christian, then you can forgive as God has forgiven you. 
It begins right there with a relationship with Jesus. You have been forgiven a debt that you could never pay. Have you ever sat down and just thought through God's forgiveness to you? And so now we are instructed, we are instructed to forgive one another just as God has forgiven us. We are never more like God than when we forgive. And so, Father, we come before you this morning because, Father, there's oftentimes hurt, wrong, pain. And, Father, it's not an easy thing to say, I forgive you. It's not an easy thing sometimes, Lord, to accept that forgiveness. But my prayer, Lord, through the course of these sermons is that you might soften our hearts. Father, help us to mend any relationships that may be broken. Reconciliation is the goal. Father, help us to remember how much you have forgiven us so that we in turn can go and forgive others. So you move by your spirit, I pray, among us. Father, we want to be known in this church for our love for one another. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your hymn books, if you would, please, and turn to hymn number 349. Hymn number 349. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and all I say. Let's stand. We'll sing all five stanzas, hymn number 349. Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power trolling all I do and say may the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour so that all may see triumph only through his power. May the peace of God my Father, my life and everything, that I may be calm to comfort sick and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill Waters fill the sea, him exalt, self abasing, this is victory. May his beauty rest upon me as I seek 
to win the lost. May they forget the channel in only him. So Father, we thank you this morning. As we leave here this, this day, we, we thank, you for, for, thank you for forgiving us. You are a gracious and merciful and loving God. And we thank you for demonstrating that at Calvary's cross. May we go from here walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.